Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. And I know that this is a podcast and you can only hear me. But if you were to see me, especially at Mass on a given Sunday, if you were to catch a glance at my socks when I genuflected, you would notice that they are fun socks. If I am not wearing Packer Game Day socks, you can bet that I am wearing socks from Socks Religious. Socks Religious brings you socks with saints on them. I own St. John Paul II, St. Joseph that I like wearing on Wednesdays, St. Patrick I like wearing during ordinary time. I have the rosary socks. I like wearing those on Marian feast days. St. Nicholas wore that one for the Feast of St. Nick on December 6th. I love Socks Religious. They are the perfect gift for me, and they can be the perfect gift for someone in your life. I encourage you to find the link to Socks Religious in the show notes today and buy a pair of socks for yourself, for your family, or for your friends. And now, on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. It was about a few years ago now that I published a book called A Rosary Litany, and the, the book first came out with a very small publisher, and now it's been picked up by OSV, but the small publisher went out of business. That's why OSV picked it up, but in the early days of the book, I wanted to promote it. I wanted to share this method of praying the rosary with others. And so I was doing my own PR for the book. I was looking for people online to reach out to, to send the book to, to maybe have them do an interview or something to to really share about this method of St. Louis de Montfort of praying the rosary. And one of the people that I reached out to was an individual on Twitter, Catherine Jean Lopez, who writes for the National Review Institute, who is a senior fellow there and also uh, is an editor-at-large at National Review. She writes on Althea, lots of different places you can find her writings. And she was very kind to me that she graciously agreed to do a little interview about a rosary litany. And it really hit the masses. It hit a lot of people. And I remember that sales spiked after that article. And and for a long time now, so since that time, three years now removed or four years removed from that, here we are. And I continue to follow Catherine Jean Lopez on Twitter. I listen to her little one-minute thoughts that she gives on Sirius XM's The Catholic Channel. They're also available on SoundCloud. And she's just really a positive light there on social media, spreading the gospel with homily tweets. And she has written a book or compiled a book, we could say, called A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. It's available from St. Benedict Press. And I think this is a book that would be a great kind of transition from Advent and Christmas into the new year. Because during Advent, people look for devotional books. They're reading books by different authors or the little blue books, whatever little devotional they're using. And so then Christmas comes and maybe that goes till January 6th to the Epiphany or whatever. But then what do you do next? Do you just stop? 
And I think A Year with the Mystics would be a great book to begin at the beginning of the year and to go through the wisdom of these holy men and women and to see how it applies to your life. And so today I'm happy to be speaking with Catherine Jean Lopez, uh, who I love listening to on all the different platforms that I can find. And so happy to have her as a guest today on How They Love Mary to talk about A Year with the Mystics. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much, Father. I, I had forgotten about that that interview. I'm so glad it was a help. I hope it um may, maybe it'll make up for the days that I don't quite get through the rosary. Um, <laughs> I can only pray. Sure. You know, this is a question that I don't typically ask guests to do, but I'm just very interested, kind of just in your own background. And so maybe could you share just a little bit about yourself? Because I bet listeners might not be familiar with the National Review Institute or the National Review or or even your work. And so just kind of who are you? Sure. Um, I, uh, I've been working at National Review since my last semester of college, I can't say actually, and um, so that was 24 maybe years ago, something like that, and um, uh, have had sort of every job there, um, but uh, for, for, the long, for a long time, I was editor of our website, so, um, you know, I was on top of the news, we sort of, <laughs> this, is, this is a sad, a humble thing to have to admit now. Um, you know, we were we were sort of at the at the start of the internet really becoming a thing for where people go for for um, for news and commentary and things. You know, bringing bringing the 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 conservative magazine I work for, National Review, online, um, and so we 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 contributed to creating the mess that makes us now. Um, but we 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 hope we we bring some sanity into it. Um, National Review uh, was founded in 1955 by William F. Buckley Jr. and and he was a political conservative, but he was also a Catholic. And um, he had a, a long running uh, PBS series called Firing Line, where he um, would frequently the, the topic would would be one of religion. And uh, you know, it was it was typically a, a policy, uh, a political kind of show, but not not exclusively. Uh, you know, cultural figures he would have on, and uh, at one point, well, he had uh, Cardinal O'Connor a few times. Um, he had um, he had uh, Mother Teresa on on once as well. And so he was a very public Catholic, is my is my point. And actually, when he died um, almost 13 years ago now, in February it'll be. Um, I announced the news on the website um, because I was the editor then, and. Um, so I got all these testimonies from people who, um, you know, were talking about their his impact on their lives, their interactions with him, you know, an encounter on a college campus or things like that. And the ones that I were most moved by um, were I I got a few emails from priests who who said that uh, that he his his public witness. Um, you know, talking about his faith publicly uh, influenced their vocation. Um, there was one medical doctor who wrote me in, and I have this letter actually pasted on or taped to my in my office uh, to, to a file cabinet or something. And uh, he said that uh, growing up, he didn't have a father; his father wasn't in his life. And uh, Bill Buckley on, on TV, you know, once a week was was the fatherly presence in his life, which is just amazing. And you know, goes to show the impact uh, people can have that they w will never even know. You know, when when you have a podcast available or something. 
And so, um, anyway, it's been a, a great grace for me um, in recent years to um, be able to, my main job now is senior fellow at the National Review Institute, which is our nonprofit arm, um, think, t- think tank kind of, kind of arm, where, you know, I can bring people together from different walks of life. You know, um, just yesterday I did an event on, um, on adoption. And um, I, I'm doing a lot of that because adoption seems like a place, first of all, it's, it's a great need, but it's also, it's doable. Um, you know, 400,000 kids in, in foster care, if, if every, you know, if every church stepped up to the plate and, you know, uh, a couple of families, like, we could get this done. And um, widows and orphans, like, we, we all over the Bible were told about that. Um, and I also, I see it as a place for common ground. It should be, you know, like, we, we don't have to have everybody sign up, you know, uh, to, the, to the creed or, you know, agree on everything. Um, but, uh, I also think when people see uh, the likes of yesterday, we had, uh, I teamed up with the Heritage Foundation, another conservative, um, organization, but I brought in, um, Catholic charities in Arizona and, uh, focus on the family, which is evangelical. And I think that our political discussions will be healthier if people can see the beatitudes in action they can see um what what catholic catholics and catholic organizations are actually doing beyond you know the filthy stuff that makes headlines headlines you know um so anyhow that's that's a a little bit of of who i am um so i'm blessed also to be able to talk about the faith um uh, quite quite openly in my day job because uh because of that foundation that we have with uh with bill well, I'm glad that you touched upon the issue of adoption because that's something that I've seen that you've commented on, that you've done things with on uh, in terms of symposiums and think tanks and writing uh, on that topic. And so I also know that you have a very fond relationship with the Sisters of Life. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're good friends of mine. I, and, and they were founded by Cardinal O'Connor. And, and essentially, he said, um, he said, if you're a pregnant woman who needs help, come to the Catholic Church. And this was his answer to how, how that would work, you know, women who, who's, who would take a fourth vow to the charism of life. You, you talk about Cardinal O'Connor, you talk about, you know, the Sisters of Life and their founder. And these are holy men and women who have written a lot, who have shared the faith, who have talked about the faith. The wisdom that these people share have been received by so many people. And maybe it's as a hearer, maybe it's reading it, maybe you were there in person. And so one of, one of the great things you've done is this book, A Year with the Mystics, Visionary Wisdom for Daily Living. And so, as you can imagine, you have a reflection for every day of the year. And the aim then is to introduce people to spiritual writings. And now the book uniquely is called A Year with the Mystics. And I think maybe that's the first thing to ask about, because some people would say, well, why not A Year with the Saints? Aren't there saints that you're including in here? But you say A Year with the Mystics, and people, again, might not know what a mystic is. So what is a mystic? Sure. So first of all, this this book is um, one of a series, and uh, from Saint Benedict's Press. And over the years, I had interviewed some of the writers slash compilers of um, of the of previous um, volumes. And in the course of that, and so they do have a year with the saints. There's a year with Mary. There's um, a year with the Bible. Uh, 
uh, a year with the Eucharist, which is very good. Um, and uh, and at some point, I think I was I was talking to Paul Figpen, um, maybe about a year with the Saints um, that he had put together, and he was he was working at St. Benedict's Express at the time. So I said, I really want to read a year with the Mystics. You should do that next. And so they came back to me and said, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't you do it? And that was not what I, I was not pitching at. Um, and the reason I wanted to read it is because I've always sort of had an interest in these saints who have these intense, prayerful um, relationships with God. People like Catherine of Siena, right, who wrote down a dialogue from him, from, from Jesus. And um, just just not not fascinated in a way that I think sometimes our culture is sort of like gawking at at this you know um, sort of foreign entity or something. But but reading them, you you really get more of a sense of of who God is in all three persons and who Mary is. And um and so I've I've just always been drawn to to those kinds of saints. And and the Catechism talks about mysticism as union with God, which is the journey of our lives. So, um, and, and one of the reasons I, I gave in to do this is because um, I had, uh, my friend Gary Jansen had written a book, and this was his book on it, the Stations of the Cross um, through the lens of Ignatian spirituality. It's a small little great Lent kind of book. And um, in the beginning of it, Jennifer Fulwiler um, uh, who's also a friend of mine, she, she wrote the intro and she said the, the first time she met Gary, she um, realized that he was a mystic. And, um, and so I, I gave that book as a gift to some people for Christmas. I, maybe it's weird to give a lunch book for Christmas, but there we are prepping you for the new year. And my, my own mother <laughs> said to me, she, said it. She, she says to me, you know, months or, or weeks later or something, you said you said the author of that book is a friend of yours. You didn't tell me he was a mystic, and I'm like, mom, that just means he prays, <laughs> you know. And and so um, so part of um, part of my prayer with this book is that you know people will see mystics and um, maybe they're you know more of the spiritual but not religious type, and um, and they, they they open it up and they start praying with it or reading through it or whatever their approach with is and they fall into the heart of the church <laughs> you know um they see they see um I, I i thought it was very important to include people who we know as active types um who had the, this deep mystical um prayer life like mother Teresa and john paul ii um and mother cabrini and elizabeth Fans who seat in schools and hospitals, we associated her with Mother Cabrini, the immigrants, orphanages, and uh, they couldn't do what they did without their prayer life. So I'm, uh, that that is um, that that's part of my prayer for this that that people might find themselves surprised, you know, um, and uh, and and the the I, I believe the very beginning of it and the very end of it is is the Gospel of John. You know, um, th this is this is very biblical too, and. And I have a number of um, evangelicals who have told me that they're praying with it, um, which I, uh, you know, I think is is a beautiful thing because sometimes there can be a, a fear, you know, um, of being too Catholic, you know. And this is who you are. You are like a collector of holy wisdom. You, for example, have your purse and you have lots of things in your purse. <laughs> Anybody that follows you on Twitter sees the purse pictures. 
And but you have the Magnificat magazine in there, for example, that has the daily readings, and they have those daily reflections. And I think that shows that people are hungering for these things, that people want to read wisdom that impacts their life. You know, I saw a tweet just the other day, and I don't know if I should be offended or not, but the person said something to the effect about Advent devotionals and how, you know, so many of them are wishy-washy. And, you know, I need a book that just calls me to be a saint and challenges me in my complacency. And now I've written daily devotionals, so I could be guilty of telling these nice stories (laughs) and whatnot. So that's why I say I don't know if I should be offended or not. But there is something there. And as we encounter the wisdom of the mystics, they're going to say things that do challenge us. They're going to say things that make us think more and how is it that we're going to live our lives and what what change do I need? What area of conversion do I have do I need to address in my life? So that is a beautiful thing that you collecting all of them, all of these different thoughts that you found over the over the years and bringing them into one place and helping people to encounter them. And for some people, you're going to encounter individuals for the very first time. In fact, as I was looking through the book, there was one, Get to Know Your Mother Better. It's from Mother Cecile Bruyere, or Bruyere. And I'm like, I don't know who she is, but maybe now I want to Google her. she was a completely new find to me. Yeah. There were, and there, there are some people in there who I couldn't, if you quizzed me, I couldn't tell you a ton about their lives, but I could tell you that they've personally helped me, even though I never went to bother, you know, to get their whole story. I can't, I can't, um, you know, I'm not an expert in every single person, but, but some, some are, are dear friends of mine. Uh, you know, um, I'm just flipping through here right now, John the 23rd, St. Gertrude the Great. I mean, I was so happy to be able to uh, share some of these people. I just love, um, St. Teresa of Avila so much, you know, um, Catherine of Siena, obviously, I keep mentioning her. Francis de Sales, um, you know, early on in my adulthood was was so helpful to me. And and I I have a funny, funny, close relationship with St. Clair of Assisi, so she had to get in there, and St. Francis is in there, too. Um, obviously, Augustine. Um, uh, yeah, I know there, there are just, there's so many. And, and to be honest with you, it was so hard to put this together in as much as there's so much to choose from and then at the end of the day good old capitalism helped me out because um there were there were issues with copyrights so um so that that wound up making making some of the choices in the end you know you couldn't have too much from from one book and and uh, like Catherine of, of Siena there there's a four volume set that I um I uh invested in a bunch of years ago and, and um and a year with Catherine of Siena <laughs> but that would have actually cost a lot of money for the publisher um but uh there's so much wisdom out there and, and you mentioned the ridiculous purse I mean I would literally go around with you know a big volume of I mean, just yesterday I had one of the volumes of Catherine Siena in my purse you know and and so it's probably better for my back that I I have one volume now of course, I still have too many books in there, but that's another story. <laughs> so how did you go about then collecting them? Uh, of course, you have to be a voracious reader then to have read these things and to say, this is something I want to include and to help people to reflect upon. So you had to have a whole massive library at your disposal, I would think, to find some of these quotes and some of these excerpts that you include in the book. 
well, it's ridiculous. I, I do have way too many books, and I've been trying to to give things away in, in latter years here um, because we're, we're, you know, I think about this frequently. We're not going to live forever, and I don't want someone ha- to have to just, like, not know what to do with the books and throw them out. <laughs> so I try to give them to people as I appreciate they may they may um, benefit from them. But, um, but uh, yeah, so... Yes, I have I have a number of books. I also, um, over the years, have been ripping out pages from Magnificat, and I always rip out the copyright page too, so I know. Um, so I do I do thank Father, uh, my friend Father Peter John Cameron, um, because he helped guide some of it too. Um, I you know I it, my starting places were some of those torn out pages and. Um, and also going through some of my books um, and seeing what what's the most highlighted, most used, you know, um, that that was some of the starting point. But I also I also made use of other people's libraries. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, somebody who's written for our Sunday visitor has some our Sunday visitor books. David Scott works out at the. Um, our sizes of Los Angeles. Uh, I've heard a couple of his books. And I, um, a number of years ago, went to spiritual direction school at the Cenacle of Our Lady of Divine Providence in Clearwater, Florida. And one of the founders of that school died actually right the year before I um, I started there. Um, Ron Novotny, he, um, he has the most magnificent collection of books. And so I need a lot of use of that library. I actually made a trip down to Clearwater to just spend a couple of days with his books at one point. Um, so it, it also helps to, uh, t- to know people who, who have good taste in books, you know. Definitely. And this, this is a great library then, a great collection of some of the holy wisdom of the saints of our tradition of all these different individuals. And the book has been out now for about a year, maybe even over a year. Uh, I think Yeah, last fall. Yeah, so uh, I know that the reception of the book was tremendous. In fact, that they ran out of the first printing, they had to order another printing. Um, yeah. You know, it's a book that I think has in just one year showing that people really want this. They need this. They need spirituality. They need God. And they're looking for ways. How can I get God in my life every day? So that's yeah. why a daily devotional, and I get it. People uh, with daily devotionals, I fall off the track. You know, I'm yeah. on day three of Advent and I have already missed day two, for example, you know, type yeah, yeah. thing. I, I'm there. So, I'm there. So the nice thing <laughs> about resemble that. <laughs> yes, for sure. Me too. So, so the nice thing about this book is is that it's not January 1st, it's not January 2nd, it's not January 3rd, it's day one, day two, day three. So pick it up, pr- read it, pray with it as, as much as you're able. If you fall off, it's okay. Pick up, start it, start where you left off. And so even though it's a year with the mystics, it might be two years with the mystics for the person who doesn't do it every single day. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's okay. Uh, I think it's getting the wisdom and allowing it to penetrate our hearts and our souls and uh, getting it into our daily life. But if a person, for example, wanted to do it a year, 365 days, what's your best recommendation for them to be set up for success? Like, should they do it in the morning? Where should they keep the book? Should it be by where they drink their morning coffee? Should it be on a coffee table by their bedstand? Like, what's your recommendation? 
I've heard a lot of people telling me the bed stand approach um, works. You know, it, de- it depends, I guess, you know, on your routine, but you can also, you know, make a realistic routine that'll make it work. Um, co- I, I think, yeah, if, if you're a coffee drinker or, you know, tea drinker or whatever, um, you know, if there's a regular routine, um, I I think, you know, keeping keeping the book there would be key. It's also it's also on Kindle, um, but it also, um, which makes it more affordable, although it, it tends to be on sale um, at Amazon um, frequently. Um, but it, it is, they did a beautiful job physically with the book. So I almost feel like it, it's, you know, there's some books, it's a real shame they, to read the, the Kindle edition. And as much as you're, you're losing some of the, you know, uh, beauty of it. Um, but, but, you know, do what you need to do if, if that's how you read. I know younger, younger folks, you know, don't, don't um, even know sometimes what a book is. So, you know, physical book. And so if, if that's the way you live, that's fine. Um, but I know, um, you know, I think people are longing, like you said, for, for some silence and contemplation and God. And, um, you know, I sometimes I hear from people who, um, you know, watch TV in the morning um, or, or, you know, maybe your life is just too chaotic with kids and all. But um, as my friend Gary Jansen in another book, um, little slim volume, um, points out, was it called the fifteen-minute prayer solution? And his point in the book is that fifteen minutes of your day is one percent of your day. Everybody can find one percent of their day to give to God, you know, exclusively in this way, um, like God, who are you and where are you in my life, you know, that kind of thing. And this book, You're at the Mystics, um, you know, the the formula for the volu- volumes is no page has more than 400 words. So that is totally doable. <laughs> you know, I understand it's not doable for everybody to be crazy me with all the books, um, which is why crazy me has all the books. So I can <laughs> share them with you in an accessible kind of way. You know, I'd be remiss on a podcast called How They Love Mary, not to bring up the Blessed Mother, especially in the context of this book, because so here's the uniqueness of this book. And I don't know, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's not set to days in, of, of the year, it's like May 1st and May 13th and such. And so when you wrote the book, did you have the intention? Did you have like all the dates mapped out? even and put January 1st as day one like so I guess what I'm getting at is you know December 8th is the Immaculate Conception so if a person was to start January 1 and go the entire year faithfully reading the book on December 8th might they find a Marian meditation or as I've noticed the Marian meditations are kind of just scattered throughout the book um and so which is a very nice thing as well yeah it's it's more scattered originally my idea was that I was going to have it perfectly liturgically aligned but of course that would be difficult because things happen at different times every year yeah there were are some some stable dates of course um, I, I thought that, you know, I both want people to feel free to read, uh, you know, consecutively, but also to dip in and out. And, you know, on a Marian feast day, it's not a bad thing to be thinking about the passion of Christ. So you might get the passion there. And honestly, I am not, I, I, I'm not an organized enough person to be able to pull that off, um, so, uh, you know, there would have been some huge mistake if I yeah. had gone, gone with that, that, that initial approach. Sure. Um, you know, I, speaking, speaking of Mary, um, you know, p- part of the reason I was really happy to be able to put this together 
is I remember the relief that I found when I, so I had, I had done the De Montfort consecration to Mary old school, you know, with his, his text. And it was so hard. And, and I felt like such a loser every day because I would, yeah, I, I would skip a day or something. And I thought, you know, Mary is just never going to talk to me again. the way I was approaching it. But, but I understand how people can, you know, fall into this, you know, perfectionism almost about, about, um, about prayer, which we shouldn't do, right? But we're human. But when I finally, you know, I was, I was stubborn. I had to do the, the real one, right? When my spiritual director at the time basically made me do the Father Gately version, it was such a relief to me because he says right in the beginning, don't worry if you miss a day just continue just pick it up again right like thanks be to god i'm like the world's worst novena prayer because i always forget on the third day or the second day <laughs> um and so uh yeah no i i uh there's it just, phil buckley actually had a, i'm gonna butcher the the sentence but but uh he he said at one point that you know the beatitudes remain the same but we may have to find creative ways <laughs> you know at different times to uh to get people to, to really um, have them resonate in their lives, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, no, I, I am, I'm a, a big believer in being creative and, and helping people, you know, it's a, dis- the world is full of distraction and, oh my goodness, this year, I do have to say, you know, I, there's, I believe there's something providential about the timing of this book because I was supposed to have it done years ago. <laughs> it took me forever. And so it finally gets published the fall before 2020 <laughs> and um, actually the Catholic information center in Washington, DC, it's a bookstore and cultural, you know, Catholic culture kind of, kind of spot. They do events and, and things. And, and anyway, they brought 200 copies of the book to give to their top donors and their top donors are like Bill Barr and Supreme court justices and heads of think tanks. And, over the course of the year, I have heard from some people um, in that caliber um, who have told me that that they've been, you know, it's by my nightstand that I read it every day, and that it's been a help during this chaotic year where people didn't have access and still don't have access, and in some cases to uh, to the mass, to uh, to to confession, and so to have something, and this is why devotionals are important. To have something that that is a stable part of your life every day, where where it's bringing you toward toward um, toward God and deeper into His heart and a deeper knowledge of who He is. And one of the things that I found really consoling and confirming, and you know, when you we put these people all together, all these great saints and, and, and holy prayerful people, uh, you see the same God, <laughs> you know, this isn't, you know, you're hearing about, you know, people seeing the Virgin Mary in toast and, you know, being told it's, it's, it's not, it's not wacky. It's him, you know? And, um, and I just, I just think it's so healthy and necessary to immerse yourself in that, you know, um, because it's very difficult to live the Christian life in the world today. Most definitely. And 
As I went through the book and I've been looking, you know, for the Marian reflections, I'm just very pleased with what I found. So I'm very unfamiliar with the text, The Cloud of Unknowing. And so mm-hmm. to see that there, to see the the reflection you have there about Mary's sorrows, do I go and return to the scenes of Mary's sorrows? Do I seek to offer mine to her? Or, you know, Mary, Apostle of the Apostles, do I look for Mary's help in being God's instrument? And that's really, so the format of the book is this, is that, of course, there's a title given to each day. And then there's one that I actually want to highlight, Call Upon the Saints. It's day 85. And so then in italics, it says, across from St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York, there's a store called All Saints. Unintentionally catechetical, we never walk alone, as lonely as all the world may feel at times. So what is in italics, I guess, my question is, is that just kind of your own little thought kind of before you get into um, the reflection? So then on that page, you have... Uh, Father Simon Tugwell, a Dominican, uh, from his book, Prayer and Practice. And then the day continues after that little meditation. In God's presence, consider, so you have a reflection question, do I have go-to saints? And then you have a closing prayer. So that's what people can expect uh, each and every day. So so back to the italics, uh, across from St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York, and the store, All Saints, is that your own uh, kind of writing there, prefacing uh, the reflection before we get into it? Yeah, yeah. And I think I take a different approach to it every every day. You know, um, sometimes I, I I think I, I use it, or I know I use it to, to remind people that, like, this this book is for people in the world, right? Like, I, my, my day, I'm not, like, hiding in a cave somewhere, you know, praying all the time. I'm, like, on Fifth Avenue in New York, you know. Um, that store has subsequently closed down after COVID. But um, uh, so, so I know there's at least one other reference to St. Patrick's Cathedral at, at one point. And sometimes it's just... Um, it's to set the scene a little bit, um, you know, occasionally it's, it's something about the, the saint who's about to be quoted. Um, but it's, it's sort of a, a personal interaction with the, with the, the, the page that day, I think. Sure. And I'm looking around and, and there are different things, you know, Bernini has that awesome depiction of the St. Teresa in ecstasy in the church of St. Maria della Vittoria, you know, and so it goes on before you uh, have a reflection from St. Teresa of Avila. So it's a very beautiful book. It's one that I hope that people will pick up, that they'll pray with, A Year with the Mystics. Uh, you know, this is how bad I am. I know that 2020, January 1st, I went day one, then I did day two, and then I stopped. <laughs> I'll be honest, but That's I love, right. I love to, there. you know, one of the things I always say on this podcast, though, is that the things that I promote, they're things that I have engaged with, you know, so, so this isn't just, I need to fill a day and an interview. This is, you know, I'm very interested. I'm holding the book in my hand or, you know, I'm doing this. If I'm recommending this, I'm trying to do it as well. So I'm with the listener in that. So, so that's something that I try to communicate always. And uh, I think this would be a great book. If you know someone in your life who's a very spiritual person, they might benefit from the wisdom of the mystics, might make for a great Christmas gift, and Amazon can get it to you. Maybe not in two-day prime shipping anymore, but uh, quicker uh, quicker than you can expect. And, um, you know, go to the Catholic bookstore, pick it up. Might make, like I said, that good Christmas gift uh, for somebody in your life who is a lover of God. 
One of the things I always do, Catherine, before I let you go is just to ask a few few quick Marian questions just to get a sense of your own Marian devotion. Sure. Do you have a favorite title for the Blessed Mother? You know, it's probably Guadalupe. I I do have to say this is connected to to um, the Our Lady of Sorrows reference. Well, I guess that would be a favorite title, too. Um, I love um, the image. There's one at St. Patrick's. There's obviously one at the uh, St. Peter's Basilica. Love um, the Pieta because I just... it sort of sums up everything about Mary, you know, um, her, her surrender to God, her yes to God or fiat, um, and everything that, you know, she, she endured, um, pondering silently in her heart, you know, um, and, um, and there's such love there. And I just, I think there's like no human condition that isn't addressed by that, you know? And, um, and I, I think, uh, you know, I just, this year has been so hard for so many and, uh, and, and Mary knows, you know, there's, um, there's a shrine to our lady of consolation in, um, in Cary, Ohio. And uh, I forget what the exact phrasing is, but uh, again, um, you know, Mary and her sorrow and, and it's just something like, um, you know, there's no sorrow that she doesn't know. And um, I, th- I think that, yeah, I guess we found my favorite title of Mary. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Our Lady of Consolation, that's a shrine of Mary that I one day hope to make it to. I oh, haven't I yet it. visited I it. it. So, how about a But fa- of course you have ones that I haven't been to. Sure. Um, how about a favorite Marian sacramental? I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, so of course I'm sure that maybe you have uh, some rosaries in your purse or, or maybe you make use of <laughs> Yeah. Do you think I have some rosaries in my purse? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I try like twelve, um, and I, I uh, occasionally give them out to um, to homeless people um, in churches. Um, yeah, obviously, obviously the rosary. Um, I don't, you know, the, I don't know. Would this be called a sacramental? There's some. Um, I I've had permission to um, to do some some Eucharistic adoration and. Um, and I have a monstrance that's on loan from the North American Martyr Shrine. Um, a monstrance is a sacramental, isn't it? Yes, it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. so it's it's of and so uh, yeah, that 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 right now is is uh, is something very very close to my heart. This this beautiful um, Our Lady of Guadalupe monstrance. I had never seen anything like it, um, and from the North American Martyr Shrine, which is another such an important place and actually it's it's called um our lady of the martyrs is the proper name um shrine um where where isaac jogues and um uh some of the jesuit martyrs were were killed on those grounds it's such a powerful place for americans and in particular how about a favorite marian prayer so you've probably encountered lots of different marian prayers throughout your time especially in the different readings that you've done but is there a prayer you know one written by the saints one from our tradition one that kind of you find comfort in praying or maybe is your go-to prayer well you know first of all in my in my latter years um, I um, don't rely on on the the uh, rote prayers as much as I used to. However, <laughs> you know the exceptions are definitely the Lord's Prayer and the Hail Mary. And and I um, 
I remember, uh, speaking of St. Patrick's Cathedral again, one of the living people who is in the book is, is uh, Father Donald Haggerty, who's assigned to the cathedral here and is just a master of the spiritual life. And he, um, I remember a homily he gave um, where he said, you know, a decade is better than nothing. <laughs> you know, that God uses that decade. <laughs> and so I frequently will find myself walking and just, just praying, um, not the rosary properly, <laughs> um, but, but offering Hail Marys. And, and I, especially now, um, uh, also the Divine Mercy Chapel at all, I'll approach the same way sometimes. Um, New York right now is such a dark place, such a dark place. And I could write books of that. Let me tell you, I just saw something just from hell the other day in, in a church down here, but every day I see something like that. And I, I feel, you know, I feel the power of those prayers and walking the streets. I think it's really important. I'm not shouting from the rooftops. This is a silent prayer. Um, but, but I feel, um, I don't feel powerless when I walk through the streets and, and I'm, I'm able to just rely on, uh, on, on Mary and, and knowing that is a weapon, you know? Um, and uh, I, I don't know how I would, I would do it otherwise, to be honest with you. Talking about the rosary, as people pray the rosary, sometimes they find it a little monotonous or repetitive. Or I think sometimes people say, I say the prayers, but I don't know if I'm really praying the rosary. And so is there a way that you've prayed the rosary, maybe a tip that you could offer to help people pray it better? Yeah, I, I, I find that it is um, very helpful to have a, a little book. Um, you know, um, John Paul II's Meditations, actually Gretchen uh, Crow has, has a, a great great book have a little reflection that you're using um you know i have a ton of them even actually ron novotny um the, the man i mentioned earlier with the great library he he wrote his own little reflection sometimes they use that um uh you know so then you're really entering into the life of christ i think that's really important I, um i know not everyone can do that every day and so i appreciate that but um but it is an invitation to get to know jesus better and um, and so yeah, making use of of, of uh, some kind of reflection book, and you know they're, they're little pamphlets, um, you know, real short ones too, um, that that people use, and I, I think those are are great gifts to help people keep in the walking with Jesus in their lives, you know. You already mentioned Our Lady of Guadalupe, so this might be your answer to this question. But your favorite Marian apparition? It's it's um it's a compet competition between Lourdes and Fatima, actually. Sure. Um, uh, Gu Guadalupe is is super powerful, and I I find myself praying to Juan Diego uh, often. Um, but <sighs> those children of Fatima are just so powerful, and um and I've spent spent time in Fatima and, and, uh, yeah, just, just love it. In fact, one time, you know, I had this really weird experience where my life is a little bit like, um, Forrest Gump, um, Catholic style, you know, I'll just sort of find myself somewhere. And, and so there was actually National Review probably used to, it's probably past tense now with, with COVID and everything. We, we used to have these fundraising cruises. And so, and I'm not like a beach person. So like if we were going to the Caribbean, it'd be like time for me to read, you know, um, or I, I, I frequently would get off just because, you know, we were somewhere and it seemed wrong not to get off the boat and I don't love staying on the boat. Um, but uh, so I'd always go to like the Catholic church. So I forget, I think it was 
Turks and Caicos. No, 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 no. Um, Cayman Islands. The Cayman Islands has this awesome um, adoration chapel. So every couple of years, I would get to visit the adoration chapel. And, and actually, Key West has a great adoration chapel, too. Is the last thing I expected to find in Key West. So um, one year, I um, were going to Portugal for a riverboat cruise. And for some reason, whoever booked my flight, made it like three days early. And so I'm like, okay, Lisbon, what am I going to do in Lisbon? Like Fatima, obviously, and I had never been there before. And so there were, there were a couple of us there. So the first day we, we did like the tourist setting because I couldn't, I hadn't done, I literally hadn't done my homework. I didn't even know where we were going, but it was also, it was May. <laughs> we were going to be there on the, not only on the feast day, but the year that Pope Benedict was going there. <laughs> So I've, I wind up finding some way to like talk myself and I don't speak the language, um, don't, don't even speak Spanish. So I can't even like come close to Portuguese, but um, I talk myself onto a press bus for the day that I think is at a congressional, uh, I was living in Washington at the, at the time, press bus or something. So, so the first time I, I go do the touristy thing and sort of see it, then the next day, and I think it was the next day, um, I'm there for, you know, full on mass on the feast day with Povet, which was mob scene, of course, but so beautiful. It was actually the year, and now I forget what year it was, but it was the year that scandals were breaking out in Europe. And people were, this was before people actually thought Pope's resigned. Um, I remember MSNBC calling on Pope Benedict to resign because of all these scandals. And um, you saw him just looking so debilitated at the at when he arrived and it was one of these great days too where it was raining and then you know the sun comes out as people are praying the rosary before mass before the arrival of the pope so so then um you know he he offers the mass and um he talks about mary and you can see him there with mary you know being being there and he just he came alive being there and and during the mass and um, and then there's adoration afterward, and you just I I just had such a sense of of God lifting him up, you know, and uh, uh and, and Mary Mary raising him to to her, and and the whole church, you know, um, being renewed in that place. Um, but then I I actually at the the end of the cruise, let's say it's a week long cruise, the last day we were going to be docked in um, Lisbon. And um, so Lisbon, I think, is about an hour away. Well, one of one of the women on the on the um, on the boat who was uh, who is the sister of my my dear friend who used to be an editor at National Review, Kate O'Byrne, who died a few years ago. She rented a car so that um, and her her daughter um, went to rented a car so we could go to all the spots and just have the car for for the day. And, um, and, uh, and I actually got out of a panel I was supposed to be on to be able to do that. And we just, we just prayed at every spot at the home, at the, you know, homes. And, um, you know, I remember her praying, we were praying the rosary on the rosary walk on her knees. And, and I, I just think that's such a powerful place. And I was so grateful for that pilgrimage that was, that God seemed to put together for me, you know, that was, that was made possible because of my day job, which is amazing. Um, but I also have to say that um, uh, a dear friend of mine who um, who's a priest from Ohio, um, he loves Lords, and I had never been until a couple of years ago. And as soon as I got there, 
I thought, oh my goodness, this is what he meant. This is like a window into heaven. There's just something so healing about that place. Um, and so, so those, those two have some competition. <laughs> How about a Marian shrine that you have visited? Maybe uh, as we talk about apparitions, those are shrines, but then we talk about other places. You've been to DC many of times. And so there's uh, the national shrine there. We already talked about our lady of constellation, but is there a Marian shrine that has left an impression on you? Well, I basically lived for three years at the, the shrine in D.C., the Basilica in D.C. Um, I, uh, um, that's a, that's a, a very um, powerful spot. I went to college right next door at Catholic U. So um, I know the first year of um, my, and I graduated in three, three years for, for many reasons, um, but um, I, I know I spent, I went to daily mass at the Dominican House of Studies my freshman year, um, but but the subsequent years it was at the at the Basilica, and I mean I used to pray there for hours with um, that priest friend from Ohio. I, I just um, mentioned uh, we went to school together and we spent a lot of time there. Um, so that's and I in my later years every time I go to DC I, I generally wind up there for one reason or another, and, and it's one of those spots I am very um very influenced by I feel I sometimes say that um I'm gonna write a book called the saints who stalk me Dorothy Day would be one of them um you know what would Dorothy Day do in this situation in Manhattan kind of thing and she she had a very powerful moment in the crypt church at the basilica there so I I frequently think of her as I'm I'm praying there and, and there are spots she obviously was in New York so there are a lot of churches where I feel especially close to her um, that, that, Mar that Our Lady of Consolation Shrine is, is a really powerful place. Guadalupe Shrine too. Um, I, uh, I was at a conference, um, there, the Vatican put together a, a number of years ago and there's, there's a particular humility, um, among the pilgrims there, you know, well, they do this at Fatima too, but the praying on their knees. I was very moved by a number of where it was probably a week before the feast day. And, um, to see, oh, there were a lot of young men who would escort their, their mothers, uh, you know, their mothers were on their knees. It wasn't clear, you know, what the f practice of the faith was for the young man, but he was there and he knew it was important to his mother and maybe it was important to him because it was important to her. But there's one, one last story about Guadalupe. You, you know, you asked about things that made an impression. Um, I, my dear friend, Andrew Walther, who was at the Knights of Columbus and, and um, most recently at EWTN died on All Saints Day this year. And his, um, he and his wife, Maureen, their, their firstborn, Frederick, was baptized on that trip um, that I just mentioned at at the shrine in Guadalupe and um, by Cardinal Willette actually and Cardinal Willette could couldn't have been happier from from Canada um, because he's a curial official he doesn't get to do baptisms you know? so it was a great joy for him but um, when uh, when the, the water was dropped on him and uh, the, the little baby um, mass was just ending downstairs. There's a baptistry on the second floor, so that's where we are. And uh, and at the end of mass, people start screaming, "Viva Cristo Rey!" "Viva Cristo Rey!" Uh, multiple times. And 
this child had just become a Catholic. It was the most remarkable, and nobody who was there will ever forget it. Um, we were, we were. I, I, I've been talking in the last couple of weeks uh, with people about it, especially people who who were there. It was just um, beautiful, and you know, the, those are moments where, you know, yeah, God, God is clearly clearly present here. You know. How about a Marian book recommendation? So as you've gone through and read so much, as you've seen different things, is there a book about Mary that you'd recommend? There are so many. Um, I love um, St. Bernard of Clairvaux when he writes about her. Sure. Um, I I find that some of the most moving. Um, And there's there's this um, series, the classics of Western spirituality that, I think it's um, Paulus Press um, puts out, and so like a volume of that that is, is the kind of kind of thing. You know, the the volume on Saint Bernard um, is just a treasure trove. Um, I do recommend frequently to people um, that that Father Gately consecration because I think he does a beautiful job with his books that are. You know, I'm I'm actually not a huge fan myself of the of this. You know nice life story devotional kind of things um you know the uh, um the 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 magnificent meditations on a regular day um resonate with me more than the advent companion let's say where there tend to be more stories that i mean said i think it's beautiful um i just think you know different things work with with different people but the way father gately does it it's not you know it's not like a long story or anything i and i just see god's hand in it there's also um father uh, speaking of magnificat the former editor father peter john cameron has a book called mysteries of the virgin mary living our lady's graces i happen to say it's it's sitting right here so i'm reading the the title so you can see i I really really like it because i have it at hand um and he goes through some of the different marian feasts but not not in a you know catechetical necessarily kind of way in a reflective prayerful kind of way and it's just beautiful i find myself going going back to it a lot and it's a small um volume and um it came out um a number of years ago i find myself i'm probably just about to place an order i give that as as christmas gifts uh frequently um because it's just it's it's a widely accessible kind of thing and it's of of the kind you know if you like those magnificat reflections it's that kind of thing um and um uh anyway i think that's beautiful and i have to thank you um too for for this this interview um father because um i've really you know i i I want to in a non-self-promoting kind of way um, recommend uh, a year with the mystics to people for this next year because I'm really worried that um, you know you see a lot on social media, but you also hear it just in human interactions. You know, being on the East Coast, um, I've, I've taken to uh, I, I went I had a moratorium on on Uber riding when we weren't shut down, um, but um, but I, I do take an Uber now and again, and you know almost always the conversation begins um, because I'm a journalist and the laziest journalistic thing to do is have a conversation with with a cab driver Um, but also because we're human beings and I don't like to be transactional so I always have conversations but they almost always begin with the driver saying well thank god 2020 is over almost over 
And the thing is that our problems are not going to be gone <laughs> when 2020 is over. And I think the invitation of this year is, you know, life is not forever. You're not guaranteed the next hour, you know. And so um, get, get to know God and live your mission. And by knowing God, you can live your mission and you, you can know better what it is. And so um, I, yeah, I, I, I hope that, that this book can be a, a gift for people as, as we transition into a new year. Well, that's great. And I had you on my list because for December, I really wanted to focus on how can we take advantage of the graces God wants to offer us in 2021. And I thought for sure that these words, these wisdoms uh, from the saints, the mystics would be very helpful. Now, if people want to find you online, Catherine, where can they do that? Well, so um, I write for nationalreview.com. Um, I, I usually link to most of the stuff that I'm writing and crazy things I'm doing on Twitter at Catherine Lopez. And even if you're not a tweeter, and it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, um, I find Twitter can, if you if you carefully um, uh, uh, customize a private list, it can be a useful place to catch up on things that you want to catch up on. You know, so follow Father Looney, and follow me, and follow, follow um, you know, people who you know you can trust and are not going to try to take you away from God, you know. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for this conversation today. I'm going to try to get past day three in the new <laughs> year. And, you know, there's no time like right now. And like I said earlier, it's not designated by January 1, 2, and 3. So it would behoove me to even just start doing it right now. And uh, I think that I will. So thanks so much. Well, for and your... to be honest, sometimes sometimes with books like this, and this book in particular, at the beginning of Advent, I, I, I was going to start it again because I can benefit it from it as much much as anybody. And um, of course, by the second day, I, I had forgotten. So sometimes, sometimes I do find, you know, the prospect of an entire book, you know, hard, um, uh, uh, you know, just like a little bit of a burden. So, so I'll decide, you know what, I'm just going to open to a page and pray with that page. And now that you know, there's no order to it other than I sat in front of the Blessed Sacrament um, <laughs> to, to put this book together, which is the honest truth. There are churches in, in New York who um, probably think I'm a home homeless woman with a, a, a laptop. But, um, but uh, yeah, so no, no, there's, there's no uh, restrictions on how to do it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And not being able to stick with it. So it's still there. You know, you can always there's a wellspring of wisdom and holiness that uh, we can tap into and make that a part of us so that we can become those mystics in our everyday life and in our world today. So thanks so much, Catherine, for our conversation. Oh, thank you. So so much father god bless you god bless you too you've been listening to the podcast how they love mary and if you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to support the podcast i'd encourage you to do so by becoming a member at patreon by supporting this podcast on Patreon, you will help to pay for the monthly fees associated with the podcast and the a possibility of upgrading equipment and also putting money into advertising and promotion if you like this podcast, I'd encourage you to share it with your family and friends. And please like it and review it on Apple Podcasts. Post about this podcast on your social media. And when you're on your social media, you can follow me, Father Edward Looney, at the handle at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I can't wait to share another episode of How They Love Mary with you next time. So be sure to tune in then. Until then, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.